Amen. Returning to God's precious word for our scripture reading, and we're turning together to the Old Testament scriptures, the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus, and to chapter 3, the book of Exodus, and to the third chapter. As we come to Exodus chapter 3, we're going to commence our reading at the very first verse. And as we come to it, it does contain the account of Moses at the burning bush. And we have looked into this passage of Scripture previously. We have spoken concerning the burning bush. But there's another verse in this chapter that the Lord has laid upon my heart for this morning. But let's read from Exodus chapter 3 and the verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, And said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee on to Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go on to Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, 
when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Amen. We land there at verse 14. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We're turning together in God's word to that portion of Scripture, Exodus and the chapter 3. I would draw your attention this morning to the last verse that we read together, and that was verse 14. And we read there in Exodus 3 and the verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And together this morning, I want us to consider the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Let us unite together in prayer and ask the Lord for help as we meet around his precious word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, how we do thank and praise thee for thy word. And we know that thy word is truth. We praise thee, our Father, it is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray, our Father, as we would seek to meditate upon that word together, that thou wouldst bless it, O God, to each and every heart, Draw us out afresh to see thee, our Father, as thou art revealed to us through the pages of Holy Scripture. And even as we would consider together the name of the Lord, we pray that thou wouldst give to us that higher view of the Lord God Almighty. Hear our prayer and shut us in now to thee and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, names are very important. It is by your name that you are identified. And if you're ever going to know someone else, the first thing that you would want to establish about them is their name. Maybe you're introduced to someone for the first time and you're told their name. And that tends to be the first step in getting to know anyone. You establish their name. And then once you get to know their name, you can get to know a little bit about them. You maybe begin to learn something of their character you begin to learn something about their personality. And then you link those things together. The name is linked with the individual and with their character and with their personality. And then you would come to form something of an opinion about them. 
And as you would begin to know that individual and you might come to an opinion in a very positive way and you would say, they have a good name. And whenever you say they have a good name, you're actually referring to their reputation, how you have got to know them and what you have established about them you would come to that conclusion and say, well, they have a good name. The book of Proverbs and the chapter 22, it commences with this verse, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Or as you get to know someone, you may form that opinion about them in a negative way. And you would say, well, they've a bad name. They've a bad name. They have something of a poor reputation. And whenever we come to the things of God, and even the passage that we have read together, it's drawing us to consider in our text the Lord's name, the Lord's name. And surely as we would want to get to know the Lord more, we would want to know the Lord's name and what the meaning of that name is and what that name represents to us. You see, as the Lord had appeared here to Moses in this passage of Scripture, he appeared to him in the midst of the burning bush. And there was this encounter with the Lord. And Moses has entered into this conversation with the Lord. When you look there at verse 13, just preceding our text of Scripture, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And Moses is putting this question to the Lord. And he's saying, if I go as you're commanding me uh, to deliver the children of Israel, they'll ask me the question, what is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And so Moses has been called by the Lord here. The Israelites have been in Egypt under affliction and bondage for a good number of years. And it appears that their cry has come to the Lord, and it is now. You could look at verse 10 to get that emphasis as the Lord speaks to Moses. He says, Come now, therefore, and so although those years have passed and their affliction and their sorrow under the taskmasters, the Egyptians, but it's now in the providence of God and the timing of God, the Lord says, Now, come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses, at that point, he asks a question. And you can see it in verse 11. Moses said unto God, Who am I? 
And so he's been asking the question about himself and he's showing here how he feels that he of himself would not be able and he would feel that unworthiness before God. The Lord gives him the promise in verse 12 and he said, certainly I will be with thee. That's that wonderful promise of the Lord to his people. I will be with thee. And Moses has asked the question, who am I? And then you'll notice as we've already drawn to your attention in verse 13, he's really asking the Lord, who are you? What is his name? And our text of Scripture furnishes us with the answer to that question. And you can see in verse 14 those block capital letters. When the Lord is giving his name to Moses, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Now whenever we read that, that name seems somewhat strange to us. It doesn't even seem like a name. It's peculiar. There's something of a mystery there. I am that I am. And yet whenever you would come to look at that name, it becomes very instructive to us. And when you come to something of an understanding of that name, you're coming to a knowledge of the Lord. And you're getting to know the Lord as he is revealed to us in Holy Scripture. And he's revealed to us under various names and various titles. And here we could say is the primary name. I am that I am. And as we explore that name just for a little time together, there are a number of things in this name. We see firstly the revelation of God. This name is revealing the Lord to us. And it reveals to us something of the Lord's person. It's a revelation of who the Lord really is. We're seeing something there of the Lord's character. We're learning something about the Lord's attributes as to who the Lord is. Those words, I am, in this great name of the Lord, they come from the same root words in the original where we get the name Jehovah. And so this name that seems strange to us, I am that I am, is really a reference to the name Jehovah. And we're saying the primary name of the Lord by which he would make himself known to his people. And the idea behind uh, the words I am and that name Jehovah is the fact that God is eternal. It's revealing to us something of the person of the Lord and the fact that he is the eternal God. He's the one who is from everlasting and he's to everlasting. There never was a time when he was not God and there never will be a time when he will not be God. And so he is the eternal I am. 
It's a reference to the fact that he is the self-existent God. He is the self-sufficient God. He is without beginning and he is without ending. I am that I am is revealing God's person to us. And his person is eternal. The eternity or the eternality of God. But it also reveals something else about his person, his immutability. And that simply means that he never changes. He's always the same. He is forever the I am. There's no past, present, or future in that sense with the Lord. He's the eternal I am. He is the perfect God, and therefore he never changes. And that's what is revealed to us in Malachi, where the Lord said, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You see from this great name, this wonderful name of the Lord, it's revealing God's person to us. He's eternal and he is immutable. But this name also reveals God's power to us. Here's a name that is an indication to us of something of the power of Almighty God. The very first name under which the Lord made himself known, is of course given to us in Genesis in the chapter 1. And we read there in the opening line of the Bible, in the beginning, God. God. In the original, it's the name Elohim. And that's the first word whereby the Lord makes himself known in the Bible. And if you were to glance down Genesis chapter 1, you would see almost every verse is starting with the words, And God said, And you have this reference in almost every verse to the Lord by way of that title, God. And that's the title that goes with the Creator and God and God, and God, all the way down Genesis chapter 1. When you come to Genesis chapter 2, and you look at the verse 4, it says, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And there's the first time in the Bible You have the title Lord. And it says in Genesis 2 verse 4, the Lord God. And the word Lord there is appearing in block capital letters. And that's a reference to Jehovah. That's this divine name. That's this great name. And it's a name that is revealing the very power of the Lord. He is the Lord God. You see how it continues in Genesis chapter 2? You look at the verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. You look at verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And in verse 21, 
And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And as the Lord is revealing himself to man uh, through his precious word, you can see that right from Genesis chapter 2, you have this title, Lord. And that's the title that we're considering. That's the title by which the Lord would make himself known to his people. And when you come to our Bible reading, to Exodus chapter 3 and to the verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. And so the one who appears to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, it's the Lord God. It's the one who said, I am that I am. In Exodus 3 and the verse 4, and when the Lord, capital letters again, saw that he turned aside to see God called on to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. In verse 7, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which were in Egypt. It's the Lord here. And it's a revelation of the power of Almighty God. He is Jehovah. The I am that I am. Reveals to us something of his person, something of his power. Then here in Exodus chapter 3, it reveals something of his presence. He's there in the bush. And in Exodus 3 and verse 12, he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. The promise of his presence, I will be with thee. And he was revealing himself to Moses under that great name, that divine name, that primary name. I am that I am, the name Jehovah. And through that name, he's saying to Moses, I will be with thee. What a wonderful promise that is. That promise would carry Moses. And that's the promise that, that carries us. That was the promise that carried David Livingstone through Africa. He testified of that text where the Lord said in the New Testament, And lo, I am with you always. David Livingstone said it's the word of a gentleman. And that word inspired David Livingstone in his pioneer work for the Lord in Africa. Therefore, today, as we think of that name of the Lord, let us get that higher view of the Lord and see how the Lord is revealed to us through that great name and what that name teaches us concerning the character, the attributes, and the person of the Lord. But then, as we look further at this name, not only is it the revelation of God, but it teaches us, secondly, reverence for God. 
reverence for God, when you begin to see who the Lord really is, and you begin to see his person and his character, well, the response of our hearts must be a reverence for the Lord's name. And you see, when the Lord appeared to Moses here, look at verse 5 of our Bible reading, and he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And Moses will learn right away in coming into the Lord's presence, you're coming to holy ground. And the putting off of the shoes in Bible times there in the east was that sign of reverence and that sign of respect. Reverence for the Lord. When you think of the Lord's great name, it's a name that speaks of reverence. I would at times quote that verse from Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is the mascal of the Ezraite Ethan. And in Psalm 89, we have uh, those words. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. And when we come into the presence of the Lord and when we assemble as we do here on the Lord's day and we're coming together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there must be reverence. Reverence in the assembly of the saints. It's reverence for the Lord's name. Psalm 111 and the verse 9, it says, Holy and reverend is his name. Holy and reverend is his name. The name of the Lord, Jehovah, I am that I am. That's the reference of the third commandment about that reverence for the Lord's name. Later on in Exodus chapter 20, when the commandments were given, that third commandment says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. You see, when the Lord revealed himself through this great name, his people had to reverence that name. And the Jews took that very seriously. They took it very literally. They wanted to show the reverence that they had for the name of the Lord, and particularly for this name, Jehovah, I am that I am. And whenever the scribes would have been coming to record God's word, to write God's word, and they would come to that divine name, they would stop. They would go and wash their whole body. They would change their clothes. And they would take up a new quill. And only then would they come to record that divine name. That's how seriously they took that reverence for the Lord's name. Now, I'm not suggesting this morning that we would adopt such practices, but surely it gives to us a sense of how the Lord's name is to be reverenced. 
And we hold to the authorized version of the Scriptures and the translators of our authorized version of the Bible. They sought to carry that across into the English Bible. And that's why whenever we would come at times to that name, that in the original it's the name Jehovah, but when it's in our Bible it's the title Lord. And it's written in block capital letters in our Bible. Every time you come to that, it's the name Jehovah. And the translators of the authorized version, I believe they did that so that there would be something of a reverence for that great name. The name of the Lord. You know, it's clear today in society that that reverence has been lost. We've lost that reverence for the Lord's name. Right across society today, the name of the Lord would be taken very loosely. The name of the Lord would be used rashly. It would be used lightly. It's used without thought. It's used without feeling. It's used even as a swear word. The name of the Lord. We as God's people ought to maintain that reverence for the Lord's great name. And as we come, as we do even today, right now, to worship the Lord, that we would do it reverently. And we would do it with that view of who the Lord is and how he has revealed himself to us through his precious word and that we would have that reverence for the Lord's great name. But then thirdly, this name speaks to us not only of the revelation of God and the reverence for God, but the relationship with God. This was the name by which the Lord was making himself known to his people. This was the name by which the Lord would enter into that covenant relationship with his people. This was the name by which the Lord would say that he would be their God and they would be his people. And as Moses was being called and being sent by the Lord to be the uh, deliverer and the leader of Israel out of Egypt, the Lord would do it by the blood of the Lamb. And you think of the blood of the Lamb, that redemption. The Lord redeemed his people out of the bondage of Egypt, out of that land of Egypt. The Lord brought them forth. And it was under this name. The Lord said to his people, Tell them, I am that I am hath sent you. And under that name, the Lord would bring his people out of the land of Egypt and they would enter into that relationship with the Lord their God. And as we come today to a close in the message, there's a connection that I want us to make. That name of the Lord, that great name, that divine name, that primary name, I am that I am, carries over into the New Testament to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to the second person in the Godhead, the Son of God. 
The one who would become the Lamb of God. The one who would be the Redeemer of God's people. And over in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. The question here is arising concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. The question is being put in John chapter 8 by the Pharisees. And if you look in John chapter 8 and the verse 24, and the Lord said there, Therefore, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. If ye believe not that I am he, and that word he is in italics, And that means it wasn't in the original scriptures. It's given by the translators of the authorized version to help with the reading and the uh, the sense in the English. But you could actually take that word he out. And the Lord says, For if ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. The Lord Jesus Christ is taking on that title. I am. In John 8 and the verse 25, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? You see, that's the questions that we have been looking at in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses said to the Lord, What is his name? What is thy name? And here in the same sense, the Pharisees are saying to the Lord, Who are you? He has just said, I am. And they're saying to him, who are you? And in John chapter 8 on down towards the end of that chapter in the verse 68, then said Jesus unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And there's that great claim again from the Lord Jesus Christ, I am. Those who heard the Savior repeat those words, They knew well what he meant by them. For immediately he said that the next verse in John 8 says, Then took they up stones to cast at him. Because he said he was the I am. In John's gospel, the chapter 18, there's a further example of it. In John chapter 18, it comes to the arrest of the Savior. And in verses 5 and 6, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus saith unto them, I am, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. And again, uh, the word he is there, but it's in italics. And when they came to the garden to arrest the Savior, and the Savior said, I am, his power went with it. And those who came to arrest him fell back to the ground. When he uttered that claim, I am. And for a moment the Lord revealed there his almighty power. He is the great I am. There in John 18 and the verse 8, Jesus said, I have told you that I am. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. Speaking about his disciples. And over and over again there, 
The Lord has said, I am. What a claim that is for the Lord Jesus Christ to make. That divine name that was revealed there in Exodus chapter 3 and the verse 14. And here the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, I am. Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus Christ is God. And therefore, when we think of that name, it points us to that relationship with God. We must see that every soul has to come into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his Son. He's the Redeemer of God's people. Do you remember the words of Peter when he preached in Acts chapter 4? And Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Peter said, There's none other name. It's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name of the Lord. Therefore, we must enter into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his Son. Proverbs 18 and verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. O come today to the great I Am. Come today to the Lord Jesus Christ and enter into that relationship with him. I bring this message today by way of introduction. And I want us to go in the coming weeks in the will of the Lord to look further at the claims of Christ in the gospel. But may the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts. We're going to